0: And memories is because you met people, you you had a good conversation, you did something that was life changing or that's the past for me and that's the memories I, I care. But I'm looking in the future, you know, I'm motivated by the world for tomorrow. What can we do with with what's going on, what what fashion should be in the future and so on that in all, only fashion because it's a bit of a boring subject uh, for the moment. So the past is for me, you know, I don't know. I have a curriculum vitae. I printed it out and I was panicking myself for every, every year what we did. So I, did I send it to you, that no. document? No. No, yeah. So if you look at those page, three pages every year, something. It's really, um, it's not, it's not really important for me. Although it's in my body, in my mind, in the way I work, I think, and I'm absolutely not against looking or talking about the past. No, no, it's okay. But it's not my everyday topic i must say
1: of course yeah i i really just want to know a little bit about your story i guess and then you know we can get into kind of some of the things that are happening now yeah i i'm curious about i'm cl- curious about your family and the relationship you had to art and fashion when you were growing up
0: yeah that's a good question i like that part of my family, yeah, oh, you're smart. Um, my family is, uh, it's a nice story because my father, uh, my grandfather was Italian and um, he uh, was in the war in Abyssinia when he was young. Um, when he came back, he was transported by a train to the North, somewhere in the North. And they dropped him in Antwerp because he was quite sick. I don't know the real details because he he talked a lot about the war and about those memories, but not exactly. I was a child, so I, I don't remember exactly why he dropped him in Antwerp. But his nurse was very good and they started chatting and they gave when he was... When his health was better he they sent him back to Italy and he left a little note or he forgot something important and uh, with I don't know with a phone number because that probably he had no phone and probably I I don't know why he forgot the passport or something. And so they, they kept in touch and and she took the train to, to Italy. Um he was in the north in Lecco on the Como Mayor. Como Lake and uh, living very simple um, rural life. I mean, nothing, but he he was a tailor already. So his father said tailoring because, you know, in the war, he uh, was not very brave and he made all the linings of the soldiers with the Italian flags because the Italians are very, Fashionable, you know, and that story was unbelievable. I said, "God, this is great!" So he was always working behind the. Instead of going to the, to the war, he was the tailor of the of the guys, and so when my mother, my grandfather arrived there, well, she liked it there, and they married, and uh, until she had to stay in at home. Because he went to the cafe, you know he was seeing his friends in the cafe or on the marketplace or in the streets, but she couldn't. she was a woman there, and so they she said, "No, this is not working and they he she was good, she said, "You are a good tailor. we go to Antwerp, we settle there, and you will become a good tailor you will gained some money and we will build the company there. And that's what happened. And it was a good, a good story. That's, that's a story I like to tell. You're very good. That's, that's amazing. When,
1: (laughs) when he was making the lining for the, for the jackets, was he usually using actual Italian flags or was he using a fabric that was kind of painted to look like...
0: That's the memory I have. Yeah. Maybe he was saying something else. Let me keep the memory that it was an of Italian course. flag. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it's something he told me when I was a child, and so that's what I remember. I I like the idea he used this flag. I mean, let's let it be a flag.
1: Let it be a flag. Yeah. And that that sense of pride in your country is beautiful too, isn't it?
0: In which country? In Belgium.
1: In uh, the Italian in flag, yeah,
0: yeah, the Italian flag, yeah. So Italian flag is is something, yeah, probably. Um, that green, white, and red is, you know, in 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 on the battlefield might be something that cheers you up. I don't know the details, but uh, it's a good story.
1: Of course, and then. Were uh, were your parents both born in Antwerp as well?
0: Yes, my my uh, my father was uh, in fact born in, in Antwerp, and he had a sister. My father was really Italian, tall, good looking, dark skin. Wow, beautiful guy! And uh, he became a tailor because in the Second War, uh, World War. Uh as an only son, he couldn't, he didn't have to go fighting in the front. And so he stayed at home again and became the tailor as well. You see that tailoring saved us in the family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you, what was your relationship to fashion? I guess from the perspective of seeing your grandfather and your father, tailoring i mean is it something for you that just was kind of just something that was around did you grow up in you know inside the studio uh was it something you just you know you saw your dad leave in the morning and then come back and and didn't have so much of a relationship with it
0: well i i think when i was a child it was not really so close but when i later on we we went to the center of Antwerp near the station to have that new laboratory and and studio. I was there with my father some Saturday morning uh, to touch the the lining of the fabric, you know, to feel the the, the 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 way the you know how it is. And so I closed my eyes, and my father asked me, "What's the? Uh, how do I have to cut this fabric?" I said, yeah, this is the okay. And and so that's my first uh memory of my father. I like men's tailoring, Drew. Men's tailoring is for me magic and and uh it's uh it's where everything starts for me and I think also now that men's tailoring should be more uh promoted. The, because there you see the basics, you know. When when we had a very, uh, we were near the station near the bi- diamond business, so all our uh, Jewish clientele was extremely uh, loyal, but also very difficult in the millimeter, you know. They, they they see like the diamond, they they look at the garment, the shoulder, like they look at the diamond, you know. So that was also mm, a very precious learning pattern for me i guess as as a younger a younger kid i decided my mother decided for me uh, uh, to send me to the academy of fine arts because i wasn't good in latin greek i liked it but i wasn't good in more i didn't like the teachers they were too formal for me uh, and so When she sent me to the academy when I was 16 or 14 or 15, I don't remember, that was the um, artistic humanities. Well, that was me. It was fun. And I later on uh, chose for fashion to study fashion. Maybe it was not a good idea because I was more attracted to fashion, um, to architecture and and design. But um, it was fun. It was fun. It was uh, the liberation of the sixties with hot pants, Twiggy, you know, going out, having fun. It was fun, and uh, that moment, I was my, I found I was always myself with with uh, in symphony with myself, the 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 creative girl uh, that that I was when I was younger.
1: Yeah, and then the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in Antwerp ended up being. A huge part of your story, too absolutely was, yeah w- was there something about your time there as a student, particularly, we'll get into the work that you did there, but as a student, was there was there a professor or was there a moment there that really sticks out in your mind as as one of the foundational moments of the work that you do now?
0: Yes, of course, it was Madame Prigeot, she was french speaking, she was an elegant woman. And we all suffered with her because she was very tough with us, you know. She said, the knees of a woman are awful. You can't show the knees. I, mean, I was wearing hot pants, you know. <laughs> it was really... So she she had those traditional roots in her, in her... She has that French chic, you know. She was really elegant French and... and uh, we all hated and loved her. If you ask Martin and all the others, it was like, oh, pretty sure. We all hated her, but we we loved her because we learned so much from her. And um, and so, I think teaching is is important in that sense that uh, you can give your t- students the freedom to do what you wa- what they want. But there are some. Some no, well, I wouldn't say rules, but uh, some yes and no's. You know, I, when my when I was teaching as well, students saw at my face, oh dear, she doesn't like it. So I, I yeah, you know, I was already like, mm, maybe no, let's find out what we can do there. And that's that's the relationship I liked to create when I was a student. I had to fight for that as well, but when I was a teacher, that was the conversation i liked that was that was the the give and take you know i can't I don't have the answer it we find it together, and that's probably what I learned from her or from the others or from the academy in general because you can't teach art you can't teach you can teach music because that's something you have you know the but Art is something you have to feel, you have to reject, embrace, discuss, No, yes. And I never had that feeling that I was uncertain. I was always like, yeah, that's what I want to you know? track. Although maybe at night I wasn't sleeping, but, you know, at the end I found the yes, you know.
1: Yeah, it. I like to think of it sometimes as, And what I think is great about fashion, you know, is it is a box, right? And my job is to kind of explore the edges of the box. And so, you know, maybe your time there, you know, using the funny example of as a woman, don't show your knees, but there are kind of these restraints you can put on yourself that actually, that doesn't hinder creativity, but it allows it to flourish too.
0: Yes, absolutely. You're Right. As a student and as a designer, I wasn't really, I guess, the best. I don't know. What I did was not really breathtaking when, when I look at it now. But uh, I immediately worked. Uh, she, she my teacher, and I'm pretty sure she knew I was hands-on, you know. There was a great ball of... Uh, carnival in the in the in the school, and yep I was on the scaffoldings doing the all the thing, so i was hands on and i was always um, there i was i, I was good I, I knew what to do, and so she sent me to a raincoat manufacturer to do the uh, to do uh, the the markets, different markets. So I travel to the, the fairs of textile fairs and so. And there I found, of course, myself that where I'm good in. I was good in teamwork. I was good in in making management plans and, and schedules and go there and find. So there, after school, I I think I found my way. In, in not being a designer, but in, in finding all my happiness in whatever there was going on with or without fashion, I mean.
1: Yeah, I thought it was fascinating looking at your history to see that uh, Bartson's, which is what you're talking about, right? Um, yes, that yes. The Raincoat Company, that was, you know, your those two years or so, right. That you were there, that was like your only experience, like as a designer for a company. But since then you've gone on to, um, you know, I don't think we can really put you in a box as far as what you've done. You've created all sorts of things you've curated, you've taught. Um, but that experience as being a designer for those two years, um, what was it that you, realized about that experience and then how did that lead into pursuing education
0: well uh, when i was traveling for the raincoat manufacturer i had the french market they gave me the french market and the french marketing raincoats was not my my cup of tea because they loved pastel colors and fabrics that were a little bit so very chic, you know. Well so I was that was not really my job. I was I was really not good at that. And I, I thought, No, this is not for me. I did what I was good was marketing research. I could say that's a good job, that's a good job. I travelled. And I did that later also for Dries when Dries Van Oten, when he at a certain moment I closed my shop and my friend Christine Mathis was very tired. I said, Christine, you look tired. You yeah, I, it's too much for me. It's, listen, if I can ha- be from uh, some help, I'm there. I have a bit of time. I was already teaching. I was already doing a lot of things. But uh, so that was also for me very good because I knew uh, how to to do an order with Barnes, or with or with Nima Marcus, or with or with with Japan or whatever. Because I had that international objective, wide right, spectrum of what was going on already. And then that more commercial to the point thing of, of making the business work. So I liked that also, that experience. And so for me, every experience is a positive one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of students after the, the school should do a, a showroom for a designer to learn how the business works. And I'm sure you you agree with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of my experience was was working retail because I think it just gives you
0: absolutely a, it just
1: gives you a a different yeah. view on the experience even of like shopping absolutely. and and what yeah. and what customers are looking for
0: yeah the the retail is is so important uh, it, of course I had my father the the tailoring menswear. We had a shop. Also, we were selling. We had a shop always. the Backstage was the so and the workshop. But I was always in the shop. Then had my own shops in the eighties with Versace and all the fun in Italy. I was fantastic traveling to Florence and Italy in those days. You know, as a young woman, yeah, yuppie. It was really fun. And so, in every situation, I had, I had the best part of it, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I and I would definitely I want to talk to you about your store. Um but when you left Bartson's and you ended up going to the Royal Royal Academy of Fine Arts, did is that something you pursued or was that something that
0: Oh no. No. And oh Drew, this is very strange. Uh I never applied for I never searched for a job. I never applied, I never sent a CV, never in my life, never. It always happens to me, I don't know why, but uh, it was probably a student who came always in my shop and we talked about uh, his collection and then there was a teacher, she said, well, Linda, why are you good? Yeah, but she's helping me and she's good advice. So I said, "We are." So she called me, she said, Linda, well, maybe... Yeah, okay, I started, you know. It it's always happening to me. I never sent one application to nobody.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were you were creating value just by what you were doing and people noticed. So you never had to apply.
0: <laughs> Thank you. You're very kind. Creating value is is a good one. I'm going to take that as a as a note. Creating value. You're you're very right creating value. It's true. Yeah. Um, Because the job can be boring. But if you create value, it's also interesting for your team and the people around you, not only for yourself, you know, because I always worked hard. And sometimes forgot that it was me as a person who was working hard, you know, it was more Alive daily, going on of encounters, seeing people, meeting, decision making, and so on. And that's, of course, that word that you said, creating value. I like that.
1: Well, I mean, Linda, I feel like that's um, that kind of describes your life story. You know, from my view, because yeah, in a world that's you know seems to be driven by you know money or celebrity or glamour you decided to to build and to create value from behind the scenes really in with investing in into the next generation of creatives
0: it's true because i receive a lot you know even in, if I'm here now on my own in my beautiful attic with all my books on the ground and and, and, and my archive and my things around me, it's I I feel so happy. I'm happy, you know, that I have all those books and I have all those things and I have all those there and they are there as friends and I can talk to you and I can talk to so many people if they... So I'm, I'm very happy with... How I am but the person I am today let me see that say that because I have contacts with architects in Toronto and I'm working with with uh or working for Polymoda still in florence i'm I'm trying to make my notes i'm writing i'm I'm so happy i'm spoiled I'm spoiling myself that in in a way because i I can say no. I never said no, but I, I, if it's not me, I'm not going to jump in, you know? So that way of working, I think you are the same person because we are not going to talk too much about me, but also about you. I think you also uh, have this kind of facility to, uh, to say yes and no when time is ready to say yes or no.
1: Yeah. It's, there's so much there we could get into. Um, (laughs) Is there, is there someone, I mean, creating value for others, what, what you've done, you know, your whole life or career, however you would want to phrase it. Is there, is there one or two people that you learned that from? It is, uh, I'm really curious because you've given so much to, you know, designers um, like myself. Is there someone that really uh, kind of spoke life into you that you almost wanted to repay to others?
0: Hmm. Not really. Um, probably it's more intuition. I, I have intuition um knowing, you know, I always... It's not knowledge, I don't have a lot of knowledge, but I know it's my knowing what I have to do intuitively. Yes, no, I go there, I do this. Or I see something like, oh dear, maybe I can yeah, jump in. And I, so it's absolutely, I don't know if I learned this from, I have a lot of books here where for the moment I'm, I'm learning I'm reading a lot of those small books from from a lot of people where I find the same philosophy or vision or or attitude, you know? Attitude is, is important. When I feel that it's not for me, I don't do it. You can't convince me. You can't convince me to do something. So... Uh, I feel immediately that it's not for me or that I'm will be unhappy, you know. And I think it's intuition or yeah, knowing uh, that that those are the words that come to mind. It's not that I looked up to somebody that was my role model. I don't know, probably not. I married a nice guy. He's still my husband since so many years. He's the same. He's the same. If I say something, oh, he has also his knowing. You know, we're not always agreeing. But he's the he's the documentary. He makes films. We went to the Biennale together. We have this kind of art attracted by art. He with the documentary filming. I with, and so that's also something that happens to you. You know, you have. I could have married another guy, and, and probably was unhappy after five years. Uh, divorced, divorced, and so on. But with five children, I don't know. But this guy was the guy who was made for me. He was also that kind of special uh, person, um, absolutely not fitting in in the in the in the society we were in together in the tennis court, you know, so and he was there and that was good. And he's still there, he's still downstairs taking his aperitivo. So, he's, so it, that that's are the things that you can say. I know that it's going, I was never, I've traveled a lot. He would be, would, we never, but we're still there together to enjoy every every day um, breakfast, if I might say.
1: That's beautiful. And you, are you <laughs> saying that you met him at a tennis uh, club? Is that how you met?
0: Yeah, we. My parents were tennis, did uh, tennis, and tennis is a nice sport because you're there alone on the court. You know, I still see the tennis in Torino. It's the RTP Torino um, contest with Sinner and and all those big guys. You, we like. I like tennis because it's you're there on your own in on the on the court. You have to. You have to see the the situation, and and you have to, you have to, to to apply your 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 knowledge and your skills, and and sometimes not working. So so I think I don't know. Uh, I th- I think sports. Uh, my father was a, a beautiful, as I said, a good, a big guy. You know, he was wearing those white long trousers, you know, those in the early days, they had those white trousers, you know, white t-shirt. Wow, beautiful guy. And so he he saw that little woman there. Uh, she was not interested in that beautiful guy. and uh, But he thought, hmm. and so they married, you know, on the tennis club. So a lot happened in the tennis club, if you... Oh, that's uh, if, amazing. If, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's sometimes very funny. Not anymore, but it is—it is, is coincidences, and um, it's probably you have the same that you have a common soul that you that you you feel that is going to work. I, I was lucky; we lived, we left this kind of freedom to each other as well, which is good.
1: Is what's what are your thoughts on? Um, serendipity or kind of these, as you said, coincidences that happen to us and how it shapes our life?
0: I think we can make our choices. We must make our choices because um, the quality of our life that we are on earth is very short. So we don't have to ruin this by doing things that are not ethical, not uh, respectful to others, and so on. So, you have a certain moments that you start probably doubting: "Shall I do that job?" They offered me, "No, it's not for me." So that that internal uh, moments that you can say "No, yes" are important, and I I think that. Um, that we can we can use this intuition more because it's not to be as you said uh, an influencer and to have a lot of money and and work on that i think people are making a fool of them for the moment a lot of people and women or men i don't know women uh, are losing their integrity as as the person you can be and contribute to society. We have to be that. We have to positively contribute something, not taking of society, you know. Taking is easy, but giving is more difficult. For me, giving is very easy, and taking, I'm, I'm not interested. So I think that, that this kind of knowledge, let's say, should be more in education as well, who oh, am I, the teacher, to say that the skirt is too long or too short, or that you? No, we, we can talk about the the message you want to give. I understood your work through your message. If I see your collection, I see your knit. When I see those, the last show, and I see the, and I see those three words, I can understand what you have in mind. What you had in mind, you know, because I, you don't have to explain this to me. I know that. I mean, and. If I can be the same for myself, giving myself that chance to know myself better than the others do, let's take that chance. And, and, and that's why I'm I'm a lucky person and a happy person, I guess. And that's why I still want to continue to giving and taking in in that daily activity.
1: And you feel that that word intuition is. Do, I mean, do you feel like that's that's kind of been lost within the art system or the fashion system or even in the education system today?
0: I think so because I myself, um, a lot of my computer and searching for the news, the latest news, the, and you follow the... Because that's something that you're part of a community and you're part of the history of the world, even if it's very small, but, but. so, um, on the other side, I think
1: what, what I believe that you're speaking to so much is about as you know, designers and artists listening to that intuition. And you mentioned that it's important to teach kids now about that, that intuition. Do, Do you feel like that's been a bit lost in today's world?
0: My intuition. I think when you are a student, you have a difficult moment in your life because you're not young and you're not mature. So in that kind of moment, it's very difficult for uh, a teacher uh, to say yes and no, it's not good, and you have to. So you have to, uh, to look at the person, the work, give them technique, Because without technique, you know that as a designer, you're nowhere. If you don't know and you don't have the people around you how to make a good sleeve, forget it. So technique is one item, is one subject we must learn that generation. Secondly, we must give them the, the opportunity to know themselves. And through that, give the knowledge to others to give that message to others and then of course the third element is the business am i do that am i doing this for myself to have fun in every day oh i'm jacketed, that's it or am i in to give it to the world and and to make a business out of it and those three elements are extremely difficult i don't have to tell you that are extremely difficult to to make in balance, you
1: know. Yeah. That that why seems to be really important in the things that you talk about to designers. I remember when we we met at the LVMH prize 2 years ago and what stood out to me about the experience of meeting you Linda was you, I, when I was meeting the other judges, what I encountered mostly was, uh, admiration and kind of tell me about your thing and, oh, this is beautiful. But what stood out to my, uh, to what stood out to me in my conversation with you is you were much more critical. And I would say in a, in a, um, not in a condescending way, but you were critical in that when we were talking, you were like, but but why do you do this? Or like, why is this needed? And um, I was getting grilled by Linda Lopa. So I was nervous <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but
0: oh, <you> know, sorry. <laughs> no, no.
1: It no, it was a beautiful experience, Linda, because um it it's it's one of it's really the moment that I still think about to this moment. And that, you know, that why I think is really important to me. But why is the the why important for you as as a teacher?
0: Because now I recognize your work as an honest uh, process, and I I recognize you in that work. If I look at your latest show and so on, that's so beautiful to see that you and your work is one. You belong to that collection, you belong, it's your story, it's your life, it's your, but it's not autobiographical, only autobiographical, Uh, but I recognize you in your work. That authenticity is so important. And so, the fact you grow in those two years, probably, to this, from that to this, is amazing, but that is not me who did that, it's you who did it. So, you have now the potential to express who you are, which is an enormous gift and an enormous achievement. Don't undervalue yourself in this because, really, it's it's it stuck me when I looked on, on to your work uh, because you you contacted me because we found itself on on Instagram. I said, "Oh, who is the guy?" And I will, and I searched for you know, and so. This is you, what I discovered is you, which is unbelievably important that you achieved that in two years, or 22. Not even. So I think uh, it's not me who is going to teach you that, but we can have a conversation. I think the conversation we had there was important for you. And that's, for me, is is sufficient. That's, that's my reward. I mean, that's good for me. And that's a good feeling I have. If I don't have a good conversation, then probably it's not, the message is not, you know, it, it happens to me that I go in lvm oh, hello, how are you? And I'm, and maybe it's the winner i don't know but not the japanese this year he was my favorite <laughs> he was good, really good but um it it happens in lv Mish especially it's very a good uh, a good um exercise for myself i like to do that because sometimes i go and i go back and i i like the person in in the the personality, I'm catched by the personality. If I'm also catched by the work, and I'm also going back and I can discuss and I can talk, then there is a a positive uh, feeling also for myself. If I don't, if it's not working, I I will not really, I go back to understand why it's not working for me. But uh, but I like doing that uh, the conversation especially.
1: Yeah, it seems like that intuition piece is not just about you and the work that you're doing, but almost the intuition between two people in a relationship sense. I mean, yeah. I Yeah. I feel like I had this really strong connection with you and vice versa. And I think that intuition piece is, is part of that equation.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. When I Googled you and and I looked up, I said, yeah, it's good. We do that. We do this conversation because I felt it was, uh, it was going to work. If, if, uh, if, if it, because there, there were some elements in your discussion uh that that stuck to me and 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 why why i thought yes this is this is going to work i mean uh but it's also i mean it's not only about me it's about uh exchanging these ideas and and talking to you that conversation otherwise it's an interview i'm not interested you know Um, and if we can see each other again and we can fall, I I mean, there is a kind of friendship then, and that's important in fashion friendship, because what, what is it, what is it now to, to be in the Met on the gala event? I mean, is that friendship or is that competition between one having more legs to show? (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous. And and that's a bit the pity of the situation fashion is in today.
1: What What are your thoughts on competition and if it's good if it's good for fashion and maybe how did how did you handle that as a professor between your students?
0: Hmm, I never saw competition between my students because they were so different from each other. My dear, there was no, never competition. I, some could could see on my face if I didn't like what they were doing. And they said, oh dear Linda. And so we said, when I meet them then in Paris and they say, oh Linda, I remember that day you were, oh, it was so tough with me. But I never saw that competition. Even those who are not talented or less talented, need support and need a yes or no and why the why it's not good it's very delicate it's very difficult for a teacher to say it's not good you can say the but there is the positive to develop and you can say the no to to correct
1: yeah and i think that you know it's also part of our human nature i guess to fall into this mindset of feeling like it's a competition between each other you know i, I think you have to be really careful of those thoughts especially as artists
0: yeah especially as a designer in 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 and you are uh, in fashion week i mean how many designers are there now and it's an enormous competition and uh Uh, But the uniqueness lies in the human approach, I guess. Absolutely. And I think the buyers know that if it's a good buyer, if it's an honest buyer with a good experience and a good vision and a good intuition, again, then they know that that's the good designer to invest in. And that is the one probably not for me as, as uh, as a retailer, it's important. I was a retailer and never made money, but, um, I I had always the first Versace and, and all the designers who were very unknown. So I had to struggle in, in to sell them in, in the beginning. And I was not really uh but I learned a lot in retail. I'm I must say, um I, I, I learned a lot in retail. I travelled a lot and I I could understand the psychology of of the the person who who wants to buy something or not, it, it, but I was not always also in my shop as I was teaching and I was. So I think that psychology you you have to invest in it. You have to 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 um to do that really intensively, and it it is very unrewarding to have a shop because you invest so much money. And you don't know if you're going to sell. It's a complete stupid activity. It's completely suicide. So uh, I remember I, I, at the end, I, I bought Comme des Garçons. I had to pay in advance. And I mean, come on. It wasn't me, you know? It wasn't me.
1: Do you remember the process of buying for your shop, which was called Lopa, right? Um, what was the process of finding those new designers? Because, you know, you were doing it in a time before you could look it up on Instagram or, or, you know, look on their website when you discovered, you know, Jean-Paul Gaultier or Comme des Garcons, what was that process like and and how did you how did you pick what was going to be in your store?
0: I don't know. I don't remember. We went from one show to another. Uh, I went to, to with some people of my shop sometimes. I went to a showroom and I thought Jean-Paul oh dear, it's funny. And probably, I ah, know, uh, to the press, to Marie Claire and the magazines through the magazines, of course, because there was that jacket of Jean-Paul Gaultier, that beautiful jacket, you know, with um, with with the color, beautiful, I said, ah, that jacket. I bought that jacket, of course. But uh, yeah, there was fun. And Thierry Mugler, those shows, they were worldwide. And I mean, that was the spectacle that we thought of, that we, what we see now, uh, it's not really new. I mean, Jean-Paul Gaultier was 6,000 people. When, of oh, Ali, maybe 2,000 people in the arena was fun with Madonna who came out of the thing. It was fun. And I was there in my. Students, they, I, I, I copied the invitations for them. They came also, and so um, afterwards it was fun. We went to 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 the to the nightclub, but it, the eighties were that kind of of funs factor. Nineties fun factor, fun factor were discovering something. You have to fight for it because there were. I was not the only shop. I was, I had the when I did my first order in uh, Gianni Versace in in Milano, and I said Antwerp, they said, uh, Antwerp? They they didn't know where it was, Belgium. Oh, Belgium. I had to show on the map where it was, you know. So that's a kind of, I see you smiling, but it's like, it was like that. I mean, but Versace was of course, in the magazines, he was the guy who came in the news. And as my Italian roots, I spoke a little word Italian. So I had an introduction and um, I remember I was wearing a white coat embroidered by Versace, white Versace coat. At that time, I thought it was big and wide, but I think it was, but I went to the PT Womo Fair in Florence because my father was a tailor. So we went there for the menswear. And uh, that coat, my dear, I had so much success with that coat of Versace. (laughs) And that's nice. I mean, that was the heartbeat. Remember, that was the heartbeat. <laughs>
1: but but then you also in, invested in Comme de Garçon, which was, you know, had a completely yeah, different identity. My,
0: yeah, that was the end of my career. I was always following um, Adrian. I knew Adrian Joffre. I don't know why or how I met him, but then he stepped into Comme des Garcons and, and that's why it happened. Yes. I don't remember.
1: It's... It's funny to hear you talk about, you know, having to explain to the commercial team where Antwerp is on a map, because now, you know, <laughs> and being being the student that I am, I, I think you can't, you really haven't like stepped into our world unless you know about Antwerp. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious about what the... And I was doing, I was trying to do a little bit of math and the Antwerp six, as they were later called, I believe that they graduated around the same time that you had started. Is that, is that about right?
0: It was a bit on the same, because they all left in different moments. You don't, you Antwerp seven, because Marjella was there. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, because of my work of Bartson's, my teacher. Ex teachers, she asked me to do some lectures there, so I did that. And Martin was there, so I, I think afterwards, uh, Dries Bickenberg was was in a different uh year with his final year, and then the others graduated. I don't remember. Um, I started teaching, yeah, when they graduated, yeah, it was a bit in that moment,
1: and I think it can get lost now that there was some time in between when they graduated before you know their brands really took off but i'm curious about what was the what was the energy like at the time in antwerp when you did start teaching and how did that energy kind of create this uh renaissance for fashion mm mm-hmm. that
0: that was uh if you look i will send you on the cv there was a, a certain moment uh from the belgian government a lady helena ravest and she was uh, nominated uh to study that fashion movement that was starting because there was a minister of uh of uh the Minister of Economic Affairs, who said, uh, we have this fashion industry. It was more textile industry, the linen industry and so on, in the Flanders. And he said uh, to that woman, Helena Ravest, go and look at Antwerp. There is something going on. Okay. So we had a meeting. We had, she came. She came to the show. And then suddenly, uh, also dirk Bickenbergs had this idea, I guess, um, to uh, start the, uh, the contest, the golden spindle. And that was a breakthrough for everybody, because Anne and, and, and the Meulemeister and Dries and Bickenberg and, and Rick Van and Walter, they started working at home, closing doors, no contact with each other, closing doors, For a few months, they worked on the collections. And then finally, it was the contest. And when we saw them on the stage, they had always the same ideas coming up, you know, the bottles there, but it was a kind of link between. And so um, that was the beginning from the awareness that we could do this as probably... Kind of fashion movement it was it was not always the government who has those ideas in general, but this time, yes, I mean so let's continue believing in politics, although it's difficult, but this time was actually it was uh, was working
1: and so that that prize kind of allowed those designers to have a, a worldwide stage in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was, there was attention in the beginning. We were with a few people and then international press came and, and buyers and so on, yeah. In the meantime, I, be careful, in the meantime, the academy was booming and I, with, my, with the shows we did, we organized, uh, that was also 2,000 people coming there. You can't believe it. It was in the Handelsburs, a beautiful uh, hall, packed with people, packed with people. They all bought a ticket. They come from Japan, from the. So we had the same, the same moment, momentum. You know, day with the golden spindle, way with the academy. It was, wow, beautiful.
1: I'm sure it was amazing time to be there. I I did reach out to one of the antwerp six walter because i i told him that i was talking to you and i asked him if he had a little anecdote um (laughs) that i could that i could ask you about and and this is what i'm gonna read what he said to me so he said (laughs) my first collection bad baby boys and let's tell a fairy tale were presented in linda's loft at that time, it was yeah. an amazing t- new type of place, a huge loft yeah. with minimal furnishings where Linda yeah. was living at the time. And he said, yeah. great memories and great souvenirs. it's so oh, it, it sound- how
0: sweet. It, how sweet. Yeah.
1: It sounds like you were even hosting shows. Was this was this actually the place you were living at the time?
0: Yeah. I sent you the pictures. It was... Um, at a certain moment we had a friend who was an art collector in Ghent, and um he was living in a industrial um ten thousand square of seven thousand square meter We came in we saw a richard long lie, lying there and an artwork there and we went home and we sold uh, we 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 sold the house or the part I don't remember where we were and so um we were looking for uh, a warehouse that we found in the south, in Antwerp, nearby the museum. And uh, it was um, 1,500 square meters, 500 square meters, three levels. With And so we renovated. we didn't have money, we renovated it, I don't know how. We put the, the, the floor heating in ourselves and the walls were never painted, they left, like there was in the in the rough, uh, but uh, that was amazing. I will send you the pictures of the loft. It was in World of Interiors and a, few, and a lot of magazines. It was really minimal with a beautiful kitchen. And Dries also did his showrooms with there, Dries Van Norten. So Momo was cooking and all the clients of the world, they came to see the loft. And, Yes, that was a place. That was a place. It was beautiful.
1: Everywhere you've gone, you've been able to create an environment for designers to flourish.
0: Raf Simons also did a presentation. Raf was a nice... He he came to my shop when I was finishing. I I told that I was going to close the shop and he came and he said, Linda, I want to speak to you. You have to... to, um, help me or distribute my collections or uh, uh who are you okay so we became friends and uh he came to the loft it also a little installation there with his furniture with his collection the first ones and so a long a long beautiful story also with him and um,
1: i i was going to ask yeah. you i was going to ask you about this because his the story that he really tells us about about starting um is that walter introduced him to you and he was actually hoping to see you to get into your class to 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 study under Ah,
0: you yeah but But, you know everything yeah i I was already forgotten but he came to the show and again really crying i said oh lena i want to go i want to go I saw his work already in the furniture, what he did, and, and, and he was a good designer. He did already the design school. So I said, oh, Ralph, you're going to lose your time. You're mature. Do it. Make. Go to a second hand. Make a trade, a jacket, a blazer, a trousers, a thing. Because I knew he was going to do that sharp tailoring. He was attracted to that. And my father went once in a while to, to, to give him some guidelines. So that was a good decision. That was, yeah, it was a good decision.
1: And yeah, I mean, what's, what's beautiful is that he r- recognizes that that moment is, is one of the reasons or, you know, that you were one of the people that really kind of encouraged him to be where he's at today. And it seems like Demna, after you, go ahead. No, 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 no,
0: no, no, please.
1: Well, I was just going to tie that in with uh, Demna as well. And Demna talks about how he uh, really was inspired by your teaching and specifically about in a way about the business part because you you asked yeah. him like demna you have to think about who this is for and and who's going to yeah. who's going to buy this yeah and that was a formidable yeah. experience for him
0: mhm well that's the that's the key of the conversation in education it's psychology you know it's psychology it's not always working but if you feel it was a big class there. There were 13 people or 12, it was a big class, but I knew he was a good tailor. He was good in menswear. He did menswear then. I knew he was uh, motivated to go to make money because where he came from, he had to fight for that. And so knowing all those elements, you see a guy before you and you say, yeah, that's his talent, his potential. Yes, no, there you go. And that's what, I, what we talked about before.
1: Yeah. What, I mean, Linda, you've seen so many incredible designers have crossed your path. Is there, is there a through line between the, the designers that have been successful that you've, you know, taught or been a part of their journey like Walter or Martin or, or Dries or Demna, is is there something different that you recognized in them early on that kind of gave you this intuition? Yeah.
0: Let's talk about Chris Van Asche.
1: Yeah, he's another one.
0: Chris was very shy, very young, not very young when he started. And, we worked a lot together on that last year collection. We worked really closely to it. And um, you see where he is now. He's very mature. He's a beautiful person. He had great experiences with you and with others. He's absolutely a beautiful person, a person, a beautiful person. I mean, and I'm happy that I could talk with him through that collection final year at that time.
1: And what what was it about the experience with you know Chris specifically that kind of gave you that uh, that helped you helped you guide him further into his own ability?
0: Oh I can't I'm, I'm not into those details. I mean, I liked the person, I liked his being very young, open, and I could guide him Punto. I don't know about all the, I mean, it's, the the most important thing is the person he is today. It's not me who made him. He was already an interesting person, an interesting guy with a vision and motivated and ambitious. So if you have those elements, nice guys, ambitious, and you you can make it. I mean, probably, you know, a lot of people who are not going to make it but he had the talent to make it. I mean, that's psychology.
1: Yeah. How how much has timing played a role into all of their stories?
0: Yes, timing is timing is also important in my work. When I started the modern Alsi, the modern museum, the the founders in fashion institute, all that time was ready to do that. I mean, you, I wouldn't do that now today. I would really do something different. Um, but the timing is, it, it's always a great part of the success, of course. I think you feel that as well. What you are doing is, is now, I think, interesting in the timing of, of what you do. You 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 are going, your approach is, is an honest approach. You, you're trying to go into, uh, the human the human side of the business and and that's that's what you are strong in now. I think you find you found your perfect timing to do this. Two years ago it was not, maybe we didn't so that I don't have to explain to you what timing is and how that works. Uh, some designers are probably uh in the wrong timing. I mean, I don't know. Um, If I see the Fashion Weeks, it's all very classic. I like it. The critiques is in Milano, it's too classic. I mean, if Gucci is classic, Eviva, it's beautiful. But uh, if the press doesn't like it and if the customers don't like it and they need flowers and daffodils, what can we do? Uh, I think he's the right guy for Gucci. Bene. Am I the only one? Okay, that's my opinion. I can't, I'm not a journalist, so I don't have to do that job. I, I don't have to judge anybody. I can only have my own perception of what I like. And I stick to that because I'm not going to read an article. Okay, I can have a thought if they say, yeah, but there is nothing interesting in his, that presentation. I don't know. Maybe it's the journalist who doesn't look backstage to the garment. Maybe I am wrong could be, maybe I, I didn't felt the Gucci, uh -uh. but I thought, oh, maybe finally I'm going to buy a a Gucci jacket because it was a beautiful jacket. And then I'm a happy person, but who am I? I am not so important in that part of the business. I'm an outsider and I can judge for myself. I don't have to make a business out of it.
1: Yeah. I think what's, interesting and maybe frustrating about timing is that you only really recognize it when it's in the past. I think, you know, when you're in the day to day and you're, you know, hustling to put your brand together, the collection Mm -hmm. together, you're at least I can speak for myself, but it really is listening to that intuition. But only later on can you recognize the timing of things. You know, for instance, my, my story is that you know, I spent ten years trying to make something happen, and because I I don't have a f- a fashion education, so I started graphic printing T-shirts and then uh, getting into cut and sew, and it was really over COVID that I had been trying to make something happen for ten years, and now I had four months where. I couldn't go to work. So I was in my studio every day and I was like, you know, analyzing my thoughts and thinking I, I really, I can't make something for other people. I need to make something for myself. Mm -hmm. And the first collection for IRA was really born during COVID after I had that hard conversation with myself. But then that also led to, uh, You know Dover Street Market buying my first collection for three of the stores, but then also getting invited to be a part of Paris Fashion Week calendar because I think I would not have been able to do that if there weren't so many people around the world that just actually could not travel to Paris, and so all of a sudden they had a bunch of slots that were that were open for physical, you know, for for physical presentations. Yeah, and so I think that's what's difficult about timing, right? Is like you can only really move with intuition, and and there's a lot that you can't uh, make happen.
0: Yeah, intuition. The timing is. I think COVID was uh, a bad uh, uh, history because many people died or were sick and so on. But for me, also, I was writing my book in, on the 11 containers. And I, I was so passionate b- about that. I was with my, on my own in my office working on, on that uh, idea. And now I found my Toronto architects who like the project. So I think COVID was a kind of confrontation with ourselves. We had time for ourselves. So what can we learn out of that? We don't need another COVID, but we need time for ourselves. We need to have those moments, a break, look in the mirror, do something. Maybe not even look in the mirror, because we look bad with, with, with COVID, we didn't have, but we can, you know, you know but we can, we, we, I started writing, 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 you know? I learned writing there, it was so fascinating. I I had my little book, Life is a Vortex, that was before COVID. And my students, when I was in Pollywood, they said, oh, Prof, we we were reading your Life is a Vortex. Yeah, oh, we loved it. And so they were, I didn't, I didn't, that scared me a bit because I didn't know people were reading my books. (laughs) I mean, I did that intuition. I'm not born a writer. I'm not educated such as such. So I was writing every morning Took, took took some ideas and so on. The second book was during COVID. And I was also writing and writing and writing. That book is not so good as the first one. But the the part of the containers is the one I'm developing further now. And um, what can we learn about that we have to face that situation of being isolated with ourselves and trying to find the, the, the strength to, to overcome the isolation, you know? And I think we learned, you know, all, we all learned a lot about that, about the fact that we, even alone on our planet, here in my, in my wonderful yeah. attic, alone. I'm so creative for the moment. I can't stop doing things. From Toronto, they said, Linta, can you explain more about the containers or how we One day I started it. In the evening, I have my project. I have it. It's amazing. I don't know how, where I get that energy. Because I'm not distracted by, by other things. I go in my computer, I go and I write it down. And it's there. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I don't believe it myself. How how much is coming out of myself for the moment? You know? Oof, it's there. It's amazing. Because I'm not detracted. I'm living here in on the seaside in Belgium. There's nothing that happens, you know. So um, except doing shopping for food and, and some uh, essential things. I go to my computer, ah, bah, it comes out. And I think COVID was was actually a learning process of how to cope with ourselves, with, with our lonely self, you know, our lonely self. What can I do with myself? You know, and you did a good job, and I did a good job, and I, I learned how to to survive without ten an assistants and being the director of a school. You know, I'm on my own here, and so it's a learning process in in. Uh, that 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 I I think was in a sense important for creativity.
1: Absolutely, it, it was for me. But at the same time, if we're looking at the other side of the coin, I feel like some of the issues that maybe we're seeing happen today and in the media were exas- exacerbated a little bit by COVID in that. Now people were locked in their house, you know, and they, they couldn't connect with others and lots of people turned to the internet and to social media, which I'm curious what you think about this. I I don't think that's, you know, innately a bad thing, but I do think that has, you know, made some of our thoughts and, and feelings more extreme about certain things. Because we were only connected within this kind of social media universe, where the most extreme things are what you see.
0: Yeah, it's true. You're absolutely right. It's now ninety and ten percent, and before it was ten percent and ninety percent. You were ten on, percent on online, and and the rest was your own uh, daily connection. Now is the, it's the opposite. So there is a danger. Absolutely, there is a danger of. Uh, lacking uh lacking uh personal um judgment yeah
1: it's almost harder to have boundaries for yourself with technology because there's this feeling that you're missing out really if you're not checking on things because we're we're all so connected i mean emails are expected to be responded to right away text messages phone calls yeah so what do you have a do you have a daily practice that gives you a balanced relationship with technology
0: yes yes absolutely and in the morning after breakfast a bit of news you know the news is so bad that you have to know you have to see it not on the television screen because i can't see that suffering um but we have to be aware of what's going on and how our terrible human kind can be to each other it's it's terrible that people in this uh kind of uh moment in history are so cruel um that is something that that brings you in a certain uh mood the, your mood of the day um it's also tennis that brings the mood of the day. I can see a tennis match on, on, in the, in the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, to, to see sports and tennis it gives me also a psychological background of how those young guys cope with their bodies and their minds. So you see how you have those two extremes in the morning and in the evening. And in between, you have your screen, your computer, your, your work, your connections, your projects are working on an event in January for Polymer that it's a difficult one. So I'm, I'm really focused on that. I have coffee at two o'clock with, with, with something, with my husband, we had a little chat up and we continue. So the days are really, um, I think um, well organized in the sense of the not organizing by on purpose, it, it's happening like that. And when I got to my computer and I got on a text and I start writing, it comes automatically. I'm in a good mood for the moment. I'm, I in a driving force. I mean, yeah, I feel that on my skin. I'm, I'm motivated. Might be that one day I say, "Oh, this is too much." I'm going for a walk, but I'm coming back and I start again. So I'm, I'm in that mood for the moment, I'm not, maybe you call me within six months and, and it will be different. I don't know.
1: That, that daily practice is really important. I think. I think so. Yeah. How, I mean, you've been teaching over, you know, the course of the last, you know, 40 plus years, and you've seen, um, not only the rise of social media, but also of technology and the internet. How, how has that changed teaching fashion students over time
0: i must say that i stopped uh, teaching fashion students when i became the director of Polymoda um, in 2007 um i was a director i had to had a job to do there and the school grew i uh, i was lucky that i had the 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 correct uh strategy um uh, to bring that local school to an international platform, I was often in the classrooms at the end of the year of the rehearsals for the fashion design, but also the marketing students. So you saw different types of uh, uh, young people, uh, yeah. ambitious, um, more on the business side, or ambitious more on the design side, the communication side, and so on. I think uh, what what I did in education was giving a structure to the school and and with different uh, sections and different approaches, different languages to use also. Um, but I didn't have the patience anymore to go in the in the classroom. It's it's not for me anymore. I stopped t- going in regular basis teaching in two thousand seven. So I'm not really. You can't say that I'm still the teacher I was before i'm a different person i'm more a conceptual thinker uh, a curator uh, a motivator um, i i can i'm a sponge that needs to be filled every day with new i so that i can give back so i'm i'm not really that Good in before the classroom or one to one. Yes, I can be one to one. I can I can have the patience to talk to young people, but it doesn't happen to me uh, so so much.
1: Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think you've been around it so much, even from a one on one perspective, or even as you're curating. You know, you've been able to mm-hmm. feel. I'm, I'm sure you've been able to feel the energy shift as you know Instagram and and other technologies have come to the yeah. forefront.
0: I love Instagram and I, I don't use it 100% well, but uh, I, I, I met you and I met another guy. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I couldn't live without Instagram anymore. It gives uh, a sense in my life. I mean, posting something and I push myself to say something useful, but then it doesn't come, I stop doing it. But it is a, a kind of mm, autobiographical thing because you can, you have to express yourself with images, with words, five words, 10 words. I don't write, I see the journalists now like writing text, like five pages on, on Instagram because they don't use the social. So Instagram is becoming press releases, it's becoming um, publicity, is becoming commercial. So, um, but I like my little Instagram account. It's not very important sometimes i think i should do better but uh i think uh, it's it's something i wouldn't i wouldn't miss anymore I, I like it and it's my daily my daily activity
1: it it's like another one of your art projects i feel like
0: Oh, yeah Oh, that's good thank yeah, you it's, it's like your it's like your vi- <laughs> like
1: visual that. journal
0: yeah is it okay you saw that picture that i took on the um the avenue montaigne
1: Mhm. Yeah, recently.
0: I, I took that I don't that the, that that coat with the two shoes, you saw that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, is that is that just a person that was on the street kind of covering themselves with a know. jacket? I don't I
0: didn't check. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> check. I couldn't check because I thought it was an installation and then I thought maybe there's a person inside. So I didn't check. But the image me it was really interesting yeah
1: it, it almost felt like it was a it was a you know magazine ad for like for balenciaga or something
0: strange huh yeah it stuck me i was shopping i went to it was before the balenciaga store by the way not far from there so um strange that, that image was was one of my best images lately but was it was it real? Was it
1: not real? Was it... Uh, I don't know. One of the things I, I had to get over early on was um, this kind of sense of competition, you know, with Instagram, because I think what social media can do is it pushes to the forefront, you know, people who have hit the jackpot in a way, you know, the 16-year-old yeah. kid who yeah. has kind of blown up within fashion or you know, the 10-year-old fashion designer or whoever it is. Mm. And so I, I'm i curious to see how, you know, the next generation of designers grows kind of within only knowing that environment. I feel like I was a bit lucky because Instagram came out when I was a, a student in university. And so I, I feel mm-hmm. like my most Maybe my most vulnerable years were spent without mm-hmm. social media. I'm generally an optimistic person, but i do I do worry about you know the students who are coming up now who have you know kind of only have known social media.
0: I'm not worried because um as I said, intuition and knowing is something that you have to develop. I don't know if education is doing that. That's the problem. I think what students, what young kids are have now as as possibilities is huge. Um and it will not fade away. So let's accept it. It's that that's the world today. I think they will survive because that's in the human philosophy and if they feel that this is going in the wrong direction, they will jump out. That's that's what will happen for sure. I don't think that the world is going to disappear and connections will disappear. Look, without the internet, we wouldn't have this nice conversation. So let's accept this kind of situation and don't worry about the future. Don't worry about those kids. They will find solutions. They will get through their own, uh, they will find their own ways. In In my own, in my 11, 11 containers, I have the now container, the, the container for the young generation, the, the Gen Z or the Alpha or whatever you call them. They, I'm not, that's the only container, I'm not writing the content. That's for them. They will write the content. Who am I to say what they have to do? And give them a space and they will try to do something or explain or write or shout or disappear or break the rules or write on the walls. I don't know. Or stay in their bedrooms and, yeah, and become aliens. That's the other alternative. And that's, I don't know, children have this capacity to understand, you know, they're smarter than we think. If I see those young kids with their eyes, they know exactly what's going on. They have this intuition also to survive. That's the humankind. Don't be worried. They will find their ways.
1: Yeah, I believe that too.
0: Yeah, they will find their solutions. Uh, The the more internet, the, the more they stay home and the more they get in home and they don't come out. Okay, that's a problem. Really a problem, danger. But it's impossible, they will go out, they will change the world, they will take a position, they will fight against it or they will embrace it. Don't worry, don't worry, be happy.
1: Yeah, that's a good word. When <laughs> when you left the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in 2006, you ended up going to Florence to be the director at the Polimoda School. What yes. was your feeling at the time when When you left Antwerp, and then I'd be curious to know how being in Florence kind of changed how how you were feeling about the work that you were doing
0: oh drew in Antwerp, I was the Italian guy and in a uh, girl and in and in Italy, I was the Belgian girl so uh I have those two roots I have those two uh mentalities in myself. In me. If I'm going to Italy, I speak fluently Italian, I go back I speak, you know, it's, it's my my second nature. I'm both. So I'm I was really happy to do that job. Yeah, really. I was flattered. And I was uh, and my first speech was in English and everybody, oh, fantastic. Nobody understood. Afterwards, they said that to me. They spoke a word of English. And uh, But the team was nice. The people were nice. They were all happy I was there. And yeah, there was a good I, I had good memories of that. It was teamwork. It was uh, bringing new ideas, bringing new energy. Yeah, it was good, really.
1: Did you feel like you needed to explore something different, and, and maybe a, a different way of directing. Did you kind of feel like you needed a new place to? Search?
0: I needed a new place, definitely. I needed a new place. Oh, it was too much for me. It was too much. I couldn't cope with all the pressure. There was the school. I was the museum. I was the the cafe. There was the modern art. There was the the public private. Uh, institutions. I had to manage the city of Antwerp, province of Antwerp, the uh, Flemish community, and so on. With no, it was too much. And I think it was perfect to uh, perfect timing to get myself together in a new in
1: a new situation. Yeah. And what is a beautiful city like Florence with rich art history? How does that? change or does it change how, you know, modern designers work or think about inspiration?
0: Drew Antwerp and Florence are the same cities. They have both their histories from uh, Rubens, Van Dijk and and, uh, Renaissance and so on. It's the same. It didn't feel very different for me. My Italian roots came up, so I was not Italian, but um it's the same uh, size of city, it's the same uh the same restrictions and the same opportunities. It's actually not really different.
1: So there was something familiar about being in Florence that was Yes, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah, no, very familiar. Antwerp and Florence is the same the same size, the same history, the same Uh, uh, the weather is better in Italy, you can, the summers are beautiful. And there is the beach, like here is the beach. It's actually the same. It's really, I have the friends there, I have my friends here. Absolutely, no. uh, It was quite a copy, copy in cola, they say in Italian, no? Copy in cola. It was a bit the same situation. Same environment, same yes and no, same structure, same strategy. Uh, I, I, It was easy for
1: me. I'm I'm always thinking about place, the place we are, the kind of energy it brings. I was thinking recently about Brian Eno, who's a musician. I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Eno. Yeah, yeah. He yeah has, Brian Eno, yeah. He has this wonderful thing he says, which is, when you look at the artists that are considered geniuses what they really had was something he calls seniors which is you know they were amazing artists but what they really had were people around them that were able to push them you know further so they're considered genius but really they were they were um not just in the right place at the right time but they had other people that were inspiring them I'm curious to know if that, you know, topic of seniors is interesting to you, but also with how we are now that we're so connected is a place still important when, you know, you're working on art or fashion.
0: That depends Drew. If you have a team or not, if, Like for me, I'm alone. I can work whatever in in whatever city for the moment. That's not. But if you have a team and you have the responsibility like I had in Florence to guide the school and to make it a a kind of, uh, yeah, it was a responsibility. You can't say, well, I will see in the morning. I don't know what I'm going to say to my team. No, you have a responsibility depending the job and uh, job profile and what you are uh, asked for to do in that case when I was a museum director I had my business I had my budget I had my ideas we went wild we did wild exhibitions if I look at, at the, the things we did it was amazing because nobody was actually uh, experienced we did we never had there was a museum uh, in Antwerp where more on textiles and lace. It was so boring. Nobody went there. You don't say that in the interview. Well, it was really boring. <laughs> so uh, everything we did in the museum was was sparkling, um, exciting, and and so on. And people loved it. So uh, it depends on which size of the business you are. Now, I don't know how many people you have to as a responsibility in your business. Maybe it's not so many, but within five years, you have 100 people there. You have a responsibility. You will talk differently and think differently. So that's uh, absolutely a question I can answer that depending on the job and what, what you are supposed to do and the responsibility you have. If you're on, I can work, I can not work tomorrow. I'm going for a walk, basta. But if I'm there in my in my job as 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 director of a school, I have I have a mission, and I have a, uh, I had also a, a plan to to show to my to my uh, superiors, my president, in my commission and my committee. Hey, oh, uh, that was uh, that was more uh, that was actually the the, the business wise the the profile. I prefer to do, I, I like that. Antwerp was more experimental, you know, there was nothing. So everything you did was sparkly, was wow, you know. But in Italy, there was already something and I had to, to structure it and make it work. That was that was interesting. That was uh, challenging. And I like to do that. The more difficult it is, the more I like it.
1: And when did you get into curating? Because that's, I think, an interesting part of the work that you've done coming yeah, from an educational like and then the retail yeah. standpoint. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Curating, I think it was in Antwerp 93. We had Antwerp Cultural City. We had a few things that the city organized and we with fashion, we were a bit booming. So I did a kind of uh, project project It was 93, I guess. I will send you the and then i i always i think my shop when I, my shop window was was also curating you know you have a shop window you have to put something in uh so i, I think it's it's it, i i love to do that i love to put an object in in a contest and that's the object you know um so uh we did there was also a warehouse it was fantastic in antwerp 93 and then i started doing this more we, we also used the shop windows in antwerp to do a kind of fashion walk you know in the city and everybody curated the windows so it, it's in my in my in my uh i think it's important that with students for example in florence i used the windows of Hermes, Gucci and all the windows to put something of a of, of of a student's work in it went, uh, they said you they're not going to accept mm, let me I think it's going to work it worked, and students learned to how the the perception was in the window from so I think everything you do that is putting your show you're a curator uh you're curating that show. Uh, the light thing the uh, what the, the the decisions you take is curating and and still now i think the containers i will i will send you the 11 containers is is really curating because i i wrote them in t- during covid and i have a very specific topic for every query co- i have a brain container for example and the brain container is very important because I'm reading this little book, Neuroplasticity, how the brain works. Um, So, um, but now in the context of Toronto, my architects, the brain container, I was a bit, um, working on, on a different intake if it comes in in, in an e-commerce vision. So it depends the, the situation. If I continue with my 11 containers on the topics I have in mind, uh, I can't change them because There is the Speaker's Corner. The Speaker's Corner is something that uh, I would like to launch, you know, in every city of the world, there is a Speaker's Corner, like it was in London. People come on on and they start talking about something. Um, And it's giving a platform, now it's in digital form. It's giving a platform to young people to say what they think. That's the Speaker's Corner. Mm-hmm. young people, you were So and, and I think in every container we have uh, a kind of subject that is very important for me. There is the history container. Well, it's not talking about the past. It's the history of today and see what we can do tomorrow. There is a dining container because the dining is an activity where we meet together. We talk and we talk sometimes we we, we launch some ideas that afterwards we we think oh, that was an interesting conversation. Dining containers is my favorite because it's around the table that you sometimes have the best ideas.
1: The the search for ideas is always something that you've done. I'm I'm curious about you. You did a TEDx talk ten years ago now. Oh.
0: You know everything about me. You did so much research.
1: I wanted to be prepared, oh my Linda. Dear, I forgot. <laughs> um you I forgot
0: that one. Yeah,
1: you did a TEDx talk, which which I which I watched. And among a lot of the ideas that you put forward, you were really a proponent for the future and and fashion looking to the future and some of the ways that you know, you believed that fashion could push the envelope, I guess, is through fabric and and technology. But there was something you said that I thought was really fascinating. You You use Chanel as an example. And you said that, you know, with Chanel, we're still wearing ideas that are 40 years old. And I i had to think about that for a little bit and and i'm curious now 10 years since you did that talk do you still feel that fashion is looking too much in the past
0: chanel is an is an example that is unique you can't compare it with the fashion industry so it is unique because it's one idea translated in one million other ideas, it remains uh, always Chanel. So that's something uh, unique. If I like it or I disagree, or that there's another matter, but that's the kind of phenomenon that happens in, um, is Chanel looking too much in the past? No, it's, it's a vision and it's their way of working. I don't, but if everybody should do that, yeah, then we have, we're in trouble. I mean, uh, I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised by what I see on stage, or on on Instagram, or whatever, or on. And and if I see to on your to your work, and I see eh, I was I was I like that. I mean, it, it, if you're uh, within twenty years, you do the same sweater. I will say Drew. <laughs> I mean, so it it. I think that uh, example was also important for people in the that moment mm-hmm. in the in the speak in the talk because they're not all all they were not fashion people
1: i mean um yeah it was it so you was an have example to give for, for that moment yeah,
0: yeah. That's an i i mean
1: do, do you think not really the, i mean 10 years from that moment do you feel like fashion is is good at looking to the future as a whole?
0: Some do, some do. I mean, luckily, otherwise I wouldn't. Uh, I try to look at shows on my Instagram uh, here on my Fashion Week uh, connections. I see the Prada, and I think, yeah, it's okay, and and it remains aesthetic. It remains Prada. It means authenticity, but still changing some things here and there. It it, it looks good. Um, But of course, uh, the question if you would ask me this within six months, I would give you another answer. What is today is, of course, a bit uh, strange in a way that um, the Gucci we knew for so many years with uh, Alexander. was was good it was a good gucci we were used to that and now uh, we lost you know what's gucci what what is it now it lost identity or is he going to do something so we are in a transitional moment because a lot of designers are stopping for guy who died yesterday and for the for the collection of it so you have a, a kind of younger generation in the 35 like you probably your age to uh, that that are having big responsibilities is it going to work i don't know are were they as strong as michele uh for gucci because he had kind of very uh, important signature they don't have that i mean are we i i feel there is some in uncertainty about a lot of collections. Um, I don't. I think you you have that as well. I want your opinion because you are interviewing. You asking questions. But I want to ask you: How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. Well, Linda, I'm. I'm. Uh, because I think I didn't come from a fashion background. Um, I view, you know, fashion shows. I think a little bit differently. I mean, because. As an industry, we've been doing, you know, a traditional catwalk for 50 or 60 years now. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of the heads of our industry were talking, especially through COVID, about how fashion needed to change, how the schedule needed to change. Uh, but then it just seems like we we picked right back up where we left off. Um, yeah, the, exactly. You know, the the show structure. Now, since then, I've done, you know, I did two shows that I guess you could categorize as a catwalk because it had that element. But for me, mm. the goal really was to to add a different element in there. And for each collection, mm. it was the idea for the right time and the right collection. But, you know, generally I'm a little bit uh, discouraged maybe about how how we show our work. Um, but I, but I think part of that is just how, how we've done it traditionally. And so that ends up being the, the way that we continue to do it. And so, you know, I'm kind of a believer in, you know, pushing the boundaries even of how, how we show our work as designers.
0: There are, the the fashion weeks are so fully booked and packed and you can, you can't see them all, um, I saw many Rick Owens shows, but the latest I skipped because, yeah, it's, again, the same location, same thing. Same. And you don't see those garments in the shops because it's experimental and that's it. So I, I have those, I have, I, I'm going to Paris to to meet people and to to see a good show and to see an exhibition and see some friends during Fashion Week. I need that. But I don't go to see all the shows. I mean, that doesn't make sense um, to me. I can look at it on internet afterwards and then I know exactly what. But um, is there a, a, an alternative? That's the question. What is the alternative? What is the solution? How can we do better? Well, That's the question. I think you have already found a kind a niche where, where people are looking at your work through that video, and then afterwards you have Dover Street Market where they can wear it and and try it on. I think that's a good balance. I think your balance is correct between... Not too much information on your website, but soon you will do e-commerce. You will put your sweaters on, on your knitwear online. I can buy them online. I want to buy one online or, them, you know, so soon you will do that step. And then you do a second step and you, you do that. Fashion weeks are what it is. Uh, it's, it's really overwhelming, starts in in New York and uh, London as well, so you can't do them all. Uh, uh, really, uh, the buyers for shop uh, buyers uh, have a difficult job in in traveling constantly, but they are very spoiled. All those journalists and buyers, they go from Egypt to uh, to Los Angeles to the moon tomorrow. They have a treatment unbelievable. They are paid or not paid. I don't know how, but they have the most irreal world. In and it's really becoming absurd. It's it's not normal anymore. Where all those that machine is traveling from one point to another. How do they do it? <laughs> and not only during fashion weeks. During fashion weeks, they are all together in Paris, London, or other. But in the whole year round, they are in the best hotels in the world, treated like princes and princesses and and have an enormous... That's not real, that the world is not made like that. It's not a real... It's not the the real situation of... It's very fake. And, And if that is collapsing, the whole system of communication is collapsing, the whole... Press is collapsing. The whole point of view of critical thinking is collapsing. And that's what's happening. But the whole mechanism of the circus going to, to Spain, because and then all the artisans, and then she goes to New Delhi, and then you have all the things there before the... It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's really becoming actually out of the blue. It's not normal. It, it's absolutely not a, a, a situation that can go on, and so what the alternative is, I don't know. Maybe it's what people love and journalists love, but it's not me. It's not you. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and and the in-person experience, right, is something that's beautiful about fashion uh, and and art and and viewing viewing art and experiencing it in person. I think there's only so much you can see digitally. Um, But when you're in person, you know, it's a special experience, which is why I don't blame uh, the large houses for, you know, if they, if they have the money to make sure everybody can travel and they can do shows in other countries, I think that's amazing. Um, But at the same time, you know, as being a part of the new wave of designers, you know, who can't, you know, take everybody to New Delhi, I think it gives us an interesting opportunity to, you know, find other ways of showcasing our work. And I'm not sure what the answer is really. Um, I just know I'm trying to find that for myself and other designers that I talk to are trying to find that for themselves as well. Um, and maybe, maybe that is the the way though the large houses will always show their work. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure, Julie. I can't look in into the future. I think uh Dior is back. Is going back to the to small atelier for for doing things. I think that show off in all those magnificent uh, locations is a bit uh, finished for them, and if they. If, because it's uh, you don't believe in it anymore. It's like every day they make a silhouette. So it's 365 days. Is it 365 days? Yes. Uh, they make, the whole atelier makes uh, uh, one or two outfits, three and it's, they, she picks it up and this is for New Delhi and this is for the, and this is for preview and this is for that. It, it's so transparent to me that that, that is the system today. But is this the passion and the authenticity we are looking for? I don't know. I don't think so.
1: Um, Is just to borrow a question that you asked Demna in your interview with him that you did recently. uh, Is fashion headed in the right direction?
0: What did he say?
1: I think he was feeling a bit pessimistic, but he was feeling good about where he was headed.
0: Well, that that's good. I I was there uh, with the show, and uh, he's very confident in what he's doing. I felt it. I saw it with my own eyes. I was there, um, and and uh, that makes me happy. I think he's supported by by the group. He's he's uh, working hard. He's uh, achieving something that is not easy to achieve absolutely not um, and um, there is a kind of integrity what he's doing he's he's not playing a game he's quite honest in what he's doing um i was also at the haute couture it was a nice moment it was very warm and, and also after the show and hugging and the whole team was there the the, the friends were there it's a family reunion there is something Going on there is something that I feel uh becoming part of you know because as a student we didn't met he went better he went before to see what he did but now seeing him there and in, in in his in his uh world it, it, it's matching it's it's good he feels um and that's for me important if 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 there is integrity in the work, it's okay. If it's a game and it's false, it's a not honest. You feel it immediately. If there is an honest feeling good in the situation he is in, and I saw him working there and I saw the the, the atmosphere, it's 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 good. It's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I guess last question for you, what are you working on right now that's inspiring you?
0: I'm I'm working on uh, my 11 containers to be uh curated and developed in Toronto. I'm working on uh, an event for Polymoda and I had this idea of the Anarchive. The Anarchive is a project that is a kind of critique to archives. 30,000 pieces that never see the light in museums, in archives, you know. So we are going to do an archive research centre uh, where we can uh, study the object, touch it, wear it, see it, and so on, and, and, um, and uh, uh, bring it as a kind of research uh, laboratory on top of the school. Because every educational system is now selling courses, it's becoming a business, you know. And so if you don't invest in new ideas to give new input in the educational programs, you're finished. And this archive is my new baby, uh, the baby of the school of polymoda to invest in and to, uh, to discuss on, on the object of fashion, the object. Bye.